So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Started. Oh, also, this is not on video, so you don't have to worry about any of that. Um, but here we go. Three, two, one. Welcome into another episode of Sober in the States Baseball. My name is Chris, the MLS card guy. Although that's under review, it may end up being something else. We were talking about that pre-show. So uh maybe stay tuned for that one. I'm joined by Trippin B, my co-host. How are you today, buddy? I'm great, Chris. And yeah, we were just talking about that. Uh, you know, you've built the brand of the MLS card guy, so you don't want to give that up, but you're expanding. You're you're in MLB now, you're getting in some other projects, and you, it may be more limiting for you now to be the MLS card guy. So maybe we'll come up with some some a new name. Who knows? You just transfer the brand over to that. I did like the name we came up with earlier, but we'll keep it a secret yeah, for now and we see if we'll, yeah. we'll do some market testing and see how it works out first. <laughs> but uh, I am doing we, great, man. And, and I'm excited to be here uh, back on this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. This is one of my favorite, the highlights of my week uh, lately, uh, being able to have these conversations with you. So uh, let's get it. It's been a lot of fun and baseball is a lot of fun and we are super excited to see where it goes. And we are joined this week by a dude who's been doing this forever. He's a crypto expert for sure. He's been in so rare since almost the beginning on the soccer side. He's now coming over to baseball. This is blockchain cards. How are you today? Hey, so so there, let me get this straight. There's like no video. So I did all my makeup and did this background all fancy and everything for uh, yeah people's, people's imagination. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a face for radio, so we can't put it oh, on, okay. on video. I, I, I yeah. hear you. The background yeah, looks great. I, I will testify for anyone who's listening. Uh, you got the clearest camera out of the three of us. You got the most developed background behind you. you get, there's a picture of a ship that's framed behind you. That oh, looks yeah. Amazing, that you know? So, yeah. yeah, it is looking good. I, I, I'm i kind of pissed that I don't get to show off my my soccer scarves and my my Emmy, uh, my Emmy awards there up in the upper corner. So yeah, there you I, go, you know? I, I think the Emmy has come go. up every single episode. So far. <laughs> you know, it's, I didn't even notice it till you mentioned it. And that's well, awesome. There you go. There. man. that. Most people don't have one of those, so that's awesome. I have a picture a of both. It's on my iPhone, though. It's not. And I really want it. Nice. I want. I want it while working at the MLB Network. So that was my qualify. That's oh, that's what got Chris go. to make me his co-host. Hopefully, why can we? Yeah. Maybe we can make some NFTs of them so that everyone can have one. That's true. <laughs> I want an Emmy. Where's my Emmy at, Trippin? Huh? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> we'll go ahead and, and get started for uh, for this week. So a lot going on here in in the baseball world. Obviously, we have the unique division that's opening up this weekend, which will be really, really cool. Hopefully suck a lot of those good super rares out of the super rare division so that I might have a chance in super rare. Um, but yeah, just a month to go at, before the uh, before the playoffs start here. Um, as we are releasing on August 31st, the, the uh, playoffs will start in the beginning of October. So really getting down to the end of the season here. We've kind of gone through this whole trial run. So first of all, I just want to get kind of your overall opinion of, of the launch and how all the cards have been coming out and the gameplay and everything like that blockchain. How how has this whole thing kind of been managed by Silver in your opinion? Um, I think everything is pretty nice. It's pretty much like, uh, I want to say they almost like took the template of the soccer football. Oh, let's just get this right out of the thing. Do you guys <laughs> say soccer or football? I say soccer. 
Okay, good. I say, I say, I I cater depending on who I'm talking to. If that's true, if too. we've got a I European guest, I'll try to get my footballs going. But yeah, that, it's soccer. Yeah. Come on, that's, that's a guy with an Emmy. That's his answer. That's that's a guy with an Emmy's answer <laughs> for it. sure. Very like diplomatic. It's like for Americans, it's like oh, we're soccer. No, I, I really honestly believe uh, they did a great job. They basically took the template of the of the soccer and basically, you know, plugged it into baseball and. Um, I'm having fun. Like I, I, I really like the way they, they've done everything, you know, the sky's the limit, what they can do with things in the future. But so far I'm, I'm digging it. For sure. And and you've been involved in a lot of crypto projects before. And I know we could, you said we could sit here and talk all night about your, your crypto experience, but just briefly so that people kind of understand how much of an expert you are in this field and how many of these kinds of things that you've done, just kind of walk us through a little bit of, of where your, your kind of background is. Right. And, and I, I appreciate the, the name expert, but it's just, I've been around, it's more experienced than anything. You know, I've been around since 2012. Um, I was, you know, I did the crypto kitty things in 2016. I was a part of the curio cards too. And those, I remember when those were first created the curio cards for those that don't know, were basically the, one of the first NFTs ever made. I think it was like 2015, the mad bitcoins guy was part of that too. Uh, that wallet's long gone. So I have like probably punks and crypto kitties somewhere and I, you know, I lost my seed key and it's, just, it's a tragedy, but uh, I also helped Splinterlands get off the ground, which is another blockchain game. That's uh, really high up there. And so, you know, I've, I've been around the blockchain space for, for many years. I've seen lots of things come and go. I've seen lots of rug pulls. I've seen, you know, the best and the worst that blockchain has to offer. How do you how do you keep going after uh, multiple rug pulls? You know, I don't, you don't need to get into the specifics of like what, you may have lost back in the day. I don't want to uh, hit a sore subject, but I'm just wondering, like you're just hearing you say that makes me wonder how do you, what makes you continue to believe in blockchain and, and in, in the uh, crypto and web three and all that. So I look at, all those kind of losses is just experience. Like I said before, you know, the road to success is paved in failure. I think that's one of my favorite quotes. And I consider like all my losses, just learning experience. It's like you, you learn through fire. And uh, I think one of the worst ones I had was um, back in the day, there was a, there was a, a marketplace called Cripsy and it was almost like a marketplace that had a bunch of tons of different coins, kind of like a Coinbase with like hundreds of coins. And, the owner just packed up and left, took everyone's coins that were on the server, basically held in custody and uh, basically took off. And, you know, the things that are that I had on that thing are probably worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now not like millions, but they could be worth millions one day. So, um, you know, you take every bad with a, as a learning experience so that you kind of build your armor as you tread on through the valley. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I actually like I actually I don't look forward to getting rug pulled or, or being a part of a bad project or anything, but you know, you, you kind of gain that armor and to, for the next time, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to be more sneaky. It's like the full me once thing. So, uh, so that's basically that for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I was just to say like, for those of us who get so super into our weekly lineups and like, Oh, I had a DNP this week. Oh, I'm not going to win any rewards or, Oh, my reward wasn't as good as I was hoping. Well, at least you haven't lost your entire wallet uh, yeah. <laughs> seed seed phrase so that you can't even get into to a possession yeah. that you felt you had. So uh, more power to you, man. I, I admire yeah. the resilience. So I guess kind of the last question that, that I have, at least about your background is, is why so or why, why did you choose to come to this platform and why have you stayed? Wow. Um, so I, I, I started the soccer 
probably about three years ago. And I just thought it was a very high quality project. They were working on Ethereum. I'm not like a huge fan of Ethereum because of the gas fees and everything, but they've somehow figured out how to do, you know, layer two solutions to their transactions. And so I, I really thought so rare was very professional because they had all these licenses for all these different soccer clubs. And that takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of professionalism because I think a lot of these rug pulls are basically startups that people don't know who the owners are, don't know who this and that there's no legal team. There's nothing you can really refer to other than someone's photo in the bottom of a webpage, you know, saying CEO. Uh, so I think I was, I gravitated towards so rare because of the, um, the professionalism, the website, and just their kind of um, doing a little initial research their you know their their background looked like they were legit yeah definitely for sure and i know i actually found so rare based on their um their seed money like the the 50 million dollar that they got a, a, what was it, a year and a half ago now um and they there was just an article written up in a sports business uh journal and uh, that's how i actually found them was that i they raised all this money so i was like if, if people who have a lot more experience and a lot more expertise are willing to give them all this money I guess I can at least try it and just uh, just been going on ever since then. Um, now you have a you have a YouTube channel as well that you're kind of getting off the ground. You've done multiple YouTube channels before, but this one is uh, is blockchain gaming. Tell us a little bit about what's on the YouTube channel, what people can expect uh, from from blockchain gaming. Yeah, thanks. So, I mean, um, I took an existing YouTube channel that I had and, and you know, that was doing blockchain gaming with Splinterland stuff and different things. I thought this would be a good channel to, you know, put the basically my so rare journey I started from the beginning. So it's a good place to kind of start. And I've just kind of been doing weekly, biweekly videos on the journey, the rewards, kind of like some news, sometimes, you know, my thoughts on different things. But uh, just trying to just trying to grow the channel because when I first started, you know, in I think I was trying to do blockchain stuff on YouTube in 2012, 2013, and, and YouTube wasn't having it. They were shadow banning people and like demonetizing people just for talking about blockchain. We've came a long way. You know, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, unsavory people shilling and, and doing all this kind of stuff and selling snake <laughs> snake oil and everything. But uh, you know, blockchain still has a little bit of a bad rap within like the the normal community. But, um, you know, so that's what I'm doing with blockchain gaming, trying to just show my so rare journey. And hopefully one day I'll be able to get to super rare and, you know, unique at some point. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I know I've I, I kind of started with the rare on the football side because there was no uh, limited at the time when I started and just kind of got into it and, and was lucky enough to be able to do the ETH grind a little bit. Um, I'm actually this off season starting to acquire a couple super rare cards in, in football, which is pretty cool. And then I started off with, with super rare cards in baseball because it's also out of the, the out of a hundred kind mm -hmm. of scarcity. So, yeah, I think it's, I, I think baseball kind of offers more of that progression that, that we want to see, like you can use limited cards to actually win super rares, which is pretty, pretty wild right. if you play them in rare pro. Um, so that's for that's how much longer awesome. we don't and, know that I bet they'll phase that. Yeah, out it'll soon. be but phased for now. Out. Yeah, we're taking advantage. But even still, when once once we're phased out, like you can still in limited pro win rare cards with, mm -hmm. with your limited cards. So um, and we, we talked about last episode how they were still allowing the common in limited. And then like right after we recorded that, they, they, yeah. they phased that out the next game week. So I'm I'm guessing they'll be phasing the limiteds out of the rare divisions pretty soon. But it is crazy. Like there's really no difference in the rare all-star rare pro divisions right now, other right. than the prize pools. Right. So that's actually a good question. So with rare pro rare all-star, which one are you kind of prioritizing? I'm assuming that you're entering both. If you have enough rare cards, 
Um, which which one are you kind of putting your better lineup into? Are you approaching them differently, or, or or what's the strategy difference between those two in your mind? Are you just chucking two lineups in there? Yeah, I usually go. I usually put my best lineup in the better chances of a of a reward. So I don't know the the numbers and specifics off the top of my head, but whatever whatever the one has the most rewards is yeah. what I put my best team in. That makes sense. It's just a numbers game, yeah. I I tend to try to put my best lineup in the rare pro that has fewer rewards, but it has the super rare rewards because I haven't bought any super rare cards yet. And I know I eventually will need to, because I do want to play in the super rare division, but if I can win a few ahead of time to seed my collection, then, then I got no problem with that. So as long as I can try to keep winning super rares in a rare card division, that's where I'll put my major priority lineup. Although so that's, that hasn't worked out so well because my second lineups <laughs> have actually been outperforming. So maybe I need, need some adjustment in my thinking pre-lock. That's, that's kind of an interesting point because I find my rare all-star and limited all-star way outperform my limited uh, limited pro and rare pro teams. Um, but that being said, we, we've we had this discussion of between me and Alec, who Alec is going to be on the show next week for us. Um, we've had this discussion of which one should I be going into? He is a big, you know, believer in going to the lower division, kind of like blockchain said, um, and just trying to win a reward. And it's kind of, it's almost like that, um, the higher you go, like the better your lineup is, I think the more you want to put it in rare pro. If you have, you know, judge and boogie bets and all these big name guys, I think those guys need to go into, into rare pro limited pro. Whereas if you have maybe a stack of cubs or a stack of white socks or something like that, I think those guys will probably do a little bit better in limited all-star. If you're going kind of more on a budget, I think you put your better team in, in the lower division and, and try to, you know, rack up some of those rewards before you maybe take off. So like I have a lot of limited, you know, I have a limited, um, who's, what's his name? Jose Ramirez, right? One of the top five hitters in the league. I'm putting him in rare pro actually, because I'm still allowed to, first of all. Um, but when I'm not allowed to, I'll be putting him in limited pro uh, because he is going to rack up huge rewards and he has the chance to hit massive, massive points. And I actually looked at it last week. If you had entered the exact same lineup in limited all-star as opposed to limited pro, you were better off putting it in limited all-star. You were getting a better reward all the way up until 230 points. If you scored more than 230, you were better off putting it in limited pro because then your your chances of a bigger reward uh, were actually going way, way up. So, um, yeah, just really interesting kind of strategy point and talk there. Um, do you have any any reaction to that, Dan, or any any other ideas or? No, I, I think I think it's really about what you want to do and what fits your style. Like I, like you guys make really good points about, hey, let's go where the most rewards are to make sure we have a better chance of getting one. I think that makes perfect sense. But for me, I'll probably stick with my what I've been doing, which is chasing the super rare rewards and and hoping to spike a big week and, and get get a great super rare reward with rare and limited cards. So I think I think when they finalize the scarcity eligibility stuff, when they tweak that and, and have that in its final form, I think then that will be when I sort of reevaluate my strategy. Like, OK, what do I really want to do going forward now that they've sort what of reset you, everything? What do you think if you have? maybe like a stack of maybe not like the Dodgers or Braves or Mets, but you have like a stack of like say white Sox, or you have a stack of Cardinals or, or somebody like that versus the Jose Ramirez, the Aaron judge, the Mookie Betts that are great players all on their own. Are you putting, are you kind of prioritizing one or the other to rare pro or to, or to all-star? If you have those two choices and those are your two lineups, which one are you putting in which I'm a stacker, baby. I believe in stacking when it comes to fantasy baseball all the way. 
just the the ability of of certain guy like the fact that you can have a guy on second base score fantasy points for you when someone else gets a hit you know by driving them home and stuff like that and the way rallies feed off of each other in baseball i just i'm a shameless stacker and that that i will never change i i think obviously you want to have a couple stud bats and some of the guys we've talked to on the show before bob orange fly you know he he doesn't have a ton of stacks but he just has some really elite cards and really players and that's the way he goes for it and he's had good results so I think you can win either way, but just when I'm when I'm sitting down to build a lineup, the first thing I'm looking at is because I have I have a Brewer stack, I have a Brave stack, and it's like okay, which one am I going to put my Brave stack in? Where am I going to put my, my Brewer stack and, and whatnot? So um, that's my style. That's what I do, and I I think again, it's because I'm mostly playing. I'm playing for first or last, basically. My style is to play for first place or last place. Like obviously, I I don't mind if I fall a little bit short and get a decent reward for you know 40th place or 50th place, but my mindset going into a game week is I want to try to get first place. And so I'm going to hope it, you're going to need some things to come together, obviously. And it, it may not be the most, like my probability for the lineups that I put out may not be the highest, but I know that if they do spike and if they do have, you know, 26 runs in a series or something like that, then I'm going to, it's going to uh, benefit me the most. Well, that's kind of where I'm starting to kind of change my tune a little bit is I think you need basically like 26 to 30 runs, which is an absurd series over three games in order (laughs) for that stack to go off, you know, whereas if you had Mookie Betts and Aaron judge last week, you were winning something pretty nice. You know, those two alone had 200 points or Christian Um, Yelich, who our boy Miguel told me not to play by the way. (laughs) I know we, I I love Miguel. Uh, It's uh, just Mike at one of our luminaries uh, on the pod and we'll have him again. But next time I talk to him, he'll be like, dude, I took, I, we, you know, I, I'll always blame myself. I'm not, I'm not actually blaming him in real life, but like one of the rare times I like sought some consultation before my lineup was last week. And he's like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about putting this Brewers Cubs stack in. They play each other. Maybe there'll be some fireworks in the series. Like, yeah, that's good, man. But don't put Yelich. He has like a 600 <laughs> OPS against lefties and he faces two lefties or whatever. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And that's, you know, he was right. He was but, right. Yep. Yelich still put up a 70 burger on the game week, uh, regardless of his matchup. So yeah, yeah. that's what's great about baseball is it's, it's so unpredictable. You can go, you can do pretty well just by numbers, but it's baseball. Anything mm-hmm. can happen. Like the, I think the very first week, the Blue Jays scored like, I don't know. Remember that game that was like yeah, 20 something runs or something. Yeah. Against and the Red so Sox. that was like a really cool game week to start off. So we're MLB with was with that mm-hmm. excitement and just like, Oh wow. The Blue Jays, everyone started buying Blue Jay players like, Oh yeah. So yeah. So definitely. Haven't done anything since. Yeah. yeah. And it's also like who it, you could stack and everything. And, and I'm starting to, to kind of figure all that out too. Myself, I have a Dodgers stack and, you know, it's also like who they play, you know, is, is really important too. And I've been doing a lot more of that kind of analysis other than just going strictly off numbers is like, Oh, who are they going to play? And how do, how does my gut feel, you know, about that? And, you know, it's one of those things I probably wouldn't, I probably would, wouldn't play Yelich too. So it's like, it's right. like one of those things. Right. It was smart advice. He just had a, yeah. had himself a damn, uh, damn weekend and went off. So what can you do? So, so the last thing about stacking that I'll say, I see a lot of people, you know, pulling out like one or two or three good players from a single team, but like one of them hits lead off, one of them hits fifth and the other hits like seventh. And yeah, it's like, that, that's not a stack that. guys. Yeah. Like don't the do stack, need the stack needs to be, one, two, three, it needs to be two, three, four. I mean, if they're really good players, you can go four, five, six, but they've got to be like in the, you know, they've got to be together and they've got to yeah. consistently play. 
together. Yeah. So like um, I have all of the Braves Unlimited because I, I well, not quite all of them yet. I, I still need Harris and um, the new guy that's just come on. I forget his name, but they're really big prospect. He's now absurdly expensive. By the um, way, speaking of the Braves, more more grip, grip gripes from uh, from Trip and B over here. Ronald Acuna, man, he said he was going to be back for this series. I put him in the lineup, even though he missed a few games. He said he would be okay against the Rockies. Out tonight. Oof, oh, brutal, bad. I sat him. That's okay. Yeah, well, you're smart. I you know see, I don't ever trust. I do. yeah. I don't ever. I don't ever trust players coming off injury. I just have other options, and you know, we'll, what, we'll try it. I have a question about injuries. What is the best yeah. website to look that up? Great question. Yeah. Um, like, so I, I use fan graphs and I look at their lineup tracker because that tells you in the past who's been out. Um, they also have a little thing where they differentiate whether it was just a day off for a guy versus he's actually hurt. Cause a lot of times they will say one way or the other. Um, so if you go on fan graphs and use their in season tool and it's like lineup tracker. Yeah. Roster resource. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It'll, it'll tell you who's been out for what reason. Um, and it also tells you what order the guys hit in. So when I'm looking for a stack, I look for two, three, four, you know, something like that. Um, I want guys that are generally, I mean, obviously the lineups are going to change every week, every night, but um, generally I want guys in the, in the same uh, little space there. Yeah. The but Dodgers yeah, so, just sat there. They're like one of their guys that's like 16 and one, like Gosselin or, or I think is his name. And, and Gosselin, so, yeah. yeah. And, and I had him, I have him in basically rare common and uh, limited and I had to pull him at the last minute, thankfully, because the Dodgers literally tweeted out that he was going to sit. And I was like, yeah. thankfully, mm-hmm. they said it two hours before the game or I would have I would have never known. Thankfully, the Cubs didn't have an afternoon game today and the, the lineups didn't <laughs> right. like they normally do. Um, but is, yeah, that, I mean, that, the that kind of stuff about, is just uh, it's just baseball. Wild. Yeah. The fact well, that for the can... first game of the series. Yeah, Maybe at least for the first game. Yeah, for... which and yeah, didn't help me with Acuna since they were off on the on the game right. week lock yesterday. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I always am way more cautious with guys coming off, back off of injuries once they've played two or three games then I just roll with them as normal, because a lot of times you'll, you'll get that they'll sit two days, um, come back and they're just fine. But sometimes you'll, you'll, you know, they won't put a guy in the DL and typically, well, IL, sorry. Um, they won't put a guy in the IL and you're like, okay, it has to be less than 10 days. Cause otherwise if they were the more than a 10 day injury, they would just mm-hmm. go ahead and put them on the IL and, uh, they won't put them on IL. You're like, okay, he'll be back in like a week. And it just keeps going and going and going. And then eventually they put him on the IL retroactive. And it's like, yeah, why didn't we just do that from the what, beginning? But yeah, I'm what, very cautious with injuries. When did they change it from disabled list to injured list? Is that something it was that was recently three happened? or four years ago? A couple years ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no kidding. That's how long I've, yeah. I, cause I, I was telling Chris before the show, like I, I, w- I was a huge baseball fan, like for years and years and years and kind of drifted away. And so has brought me back. Yeah. So that's one of the things that Sounds I miss. familiar. Was, was it was it like a was it like a politically correct thing where yeah I think yeah. it was yeah gotcha. yeah gotcha okay yeah for sure yeah so I mean that's that's just something to keep in mind when you're going through your lineups like I have all of the limited Braves so I don't ever start like so Swanson normally hits one or two he typically hits two I don't ever really start him with Wilson or William Contreras because they he hits six so like those two guys don't really mix I either start like the one two three or I'll start you know, Swanson, Olsen, and Riley, which is two, three, four. Sometimes I'll throw Contreras in there. I have a little bit of flexibility because I have five of them, but I also won't start all five in one lineup unless they have a really good matchup that I really like. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. Now with game weeks, 
you, like you said, blockchain, you kind of want to look at who they're going to be playing. What, you know, is it righty lefty that they're going to be facing? Um, and, and so we kind of trip and B is our resident look ahead to the next few game weeks guy. <laughs> so give us your, your top couple stacks here for the next few game weeks tripping that we can. So, yeah, you know, on. you know, uh, I've talked on the show before about how I sort of like, I've been building my collection my uh, by looking ahead and trying to acquire guys a few a few weeks ahead of when they would have a uh, a stacked game week. So that's why I bought some Giants a few weeks ago. That's why I bought uh, my Brave stack was when they had a four game week and everybody else had three. So looking ahead, I want to look at it's currently what's game week uh, twelve right now. So looking yeah. ahead to game week fourteen and sixteen, which would be the midweeks give you the chance for the five game week if there's a double header, right? So if we're looking at game week 14, big opportunity, I think, because the Giants and the Brewers both play five games each. And the Brewers have a few of those games in course field, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, three of those five, I believe. So that is, and everybody else has four. This is game week 14. I'm talking about only a, only a handful have four, actually. Uh, the Braves only have two. So some of those big guns are only going to be on a two game week. Uh, the Braves have been killing it lately. So it's just a huge opportunity. I, I would stack up on Brewers. I, th- I would expect prices of Brewers cards to be going up. They already have been for other people who've been looking ahead because the Giants, they they change their lineup so much. I think there's some a few guys, and I'll, I'll be playing my Wilmer Flores for sure because he play, he's a utility man who plays anywhere. But the Giants tend to rotate a lot, to use a soccer term, whereas the Brewers have a pretty set lineup. So I think Brewer stacks are really going to carry the day in, in game week 14. And I've already got mine set up and good, ready to go at this point. So that's good. If we look at the game week 16, there's actually a lot more teams playing five, but fortunately for us, a few of them suck, right? So you got the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Reds, the Pirates, and the Marlins all have five games in game week 16, which is two midweeks from now. So if you want to look ahead, you're looking to be purchasing some, purchasing some guys. I, I would never say buy Pirates or Marlins. Maybe O'Neill Cruz <laughs> maybe would be the only only Pirate. J.J. Bleday, baby. Yeah, the, the Marlins did almost try Actually, to come back and beat the Dodgers in extra innings last night. I was watching, which, which was pretty incredible, but the Dodgers ended up pulling it out. But, uh, yeah, the Rays have a couple decent bats, but really uh, the Blue Jays, you know, you can get uh, Vladdy Jr. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez has been okay. I, well, he's been George Springer is not bad. Yeah, Springer, Ramel Tapia. So the a Blue Jays, st- and it's funny because all my my collection is very NL heavy, which is weird because I was always an AL guy uh, cheering for baseball my whole life. I'm a Rangers fan and whatnot, and I liked the Oakland A's a little bit before them. So I've been an AL guy, but for what whatever reason, all my so rare cards are, are pretty much NL. So it might be time for me to dip over to the AL and buy a Blue Jays stack here uh, ahead of Week 16. So follow up question for you: Who are the Pirates and the Marlins playing? When they're uh, let me check. Yeah, because usually a lot of times the teams that have the the five game week are play playing each other. against each other. Right. That's not the case in game week fourteen. Like I mentioned with the Brewers, uh, they they play they their five games are split between two different series. When I checked, and some of it's in Coors Field, I think. But let me look if you can. And, and the so Brewers have like some momentum too after that walk off last night. I feel that's mm-hmm. another thing that's nice about baseball is you can you can feel you can feel those momentum moments. And like I said, going back to you can't quantify that it's a feeling you know what i'm saying so uh, the brewers i feel like are, are on a roll a little bit we'll see the braves the braves had the ultimate momentum moment a few years ago they had that remember that 18 inning game with the pirates where the dude threw the, the, uh, the infield was in and the guy threw it home on a ground ball and he was clearly out but they called him safe 
and the Pirates lost their marbles and everybody got thrown out. I mean, it was a walk-off because we were, it was in Atlanta. Um, and si- literally since then, the Pirates have been horrific and the Braves have been great. Like literally for like three years, it has carried over. It's maybe even more than three years. It's probably been it's, a while. It's really um, funny what creates that momentum. But but as you yeah. mentioned, blockchain, like, and that's that's the benefit. I always say like, you don't need to watch soccer to be good at, at solar soccer. You could, you could play with just the stats, but... And it's the same with baseball, maybe even more so, and that you could probably just play with the data and just just go numbers based and not even really watch a lot of baseball. But there's edge to be found by actually watching the games, by following the teams, by knowing why some of these numbers are are happening and things like that. That can that can actually get you some edge to answer your question earlier, Chris, the Pirates in that game week 16, when they have five, they have a, a four game series against the Reds with a double header on the Tuesday. And then they play, they host the Mets on the last day of the game week. So that probably still, even with the five games, you're not really going to want a bunch of Pirates, even though the Reds are vulnerable. They, I don't know the ro- the pitching, you know, rotation. Yeah. Three, three we won't know advanced, that that far out. Yeah. You could catch Scherzer potentially, you know, on the, on the last day of the game week, which you would not want to do. The Marlins are playing, the Rangers, who tend uh, two games against the Rangers and then three against the Phillies for their five game week game game week. So there's some opportunity there. Uh, it, they'd be cheap, you know. That there was a game week a couple weeks ago where let me check the Cubs. What was it? The, the Cubs and Cardinals had a four game series, I think, and everybody else had only five three. I believe five that was series. okay. Well, they have four in the game week on game week twelve. It was, uh, am I looking at that right? It, it was a series where the Cubs and the Cardinals were at the, the advantage. They yeah, they played five games in four days, the right four days, too. Gotcha. Okay, I think maybe yeah, that yeah. was, okay, that was game week 10. Sorry, let me go a little further back. So I looked at that a few weeks in advance, and I was like, yeah, obviously the Cardinals are going to be the favorite here, but and but anybody who's following this strategy is going to be buying cards. Let me be a little contrarian and buy a Cubs stack just to see, you know, if if the Cubs can go off, I'll get them at like lower ownership compared to what everybody on these Cardinals cards. It didn't so, really work, unfortunately. The, the Cardinals ended up blowing them out most of the, the games, but the Cubs did get some hits. But yeah, it's a balance. Like I don't know, have, I don't know if I'm convincing people with my whole like volume strategy, or if other people are like, ah, no, I'm all tripping, be, tripping beast crazy. Yeah, but volume does matter, but it still has to be smart volume, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, we definitely say Trevor B's crazy, but not for that reason. That's a whole different thing. No, so here, here's an interesting thing that I just found because you said the Pirates play the Reds during that game week. The Reds have five games that game week, four of them against the Pirates and one against the Cardinals. The next game week, they have four in three days. So they have back-to-back doubleheader in one Reds week. Prices trending up. I like it. That is a lot. Like maybe, maybe you go for a red stack. I don't yeah. know because the Pirates are pretty bad. I mean, the Cardinals will be a tough matchup the next week, but they'll get an extra game. So, you have to and there's some, some like Jake there. Fraley has been going off, off, man. Like he is, he is, he's doing it. Now, here's my question. So, here's a team that I've kind of had my eye on because they just beat my Braves two out of three. The Cardinals have a ridiculously easy schedule for the next two weeks. And don't tell anybody mm-hmm. this. They play the Cubs, they play the Nationals for four, they play the Pirates for three. And then they have three games in a four-game four game week against two against the Brewers, one against the Reds. So you probably sit them there. But then the next week they have four against the Reds in a three-game week. So against the Cubs, I'd be starting them in a full – all three games in three days. Against the Nationals, I'd be starting them four games in four days. Pirates, I'd be starting them three games in three days. Then I'd sit them one week, and then the Reds, four games in three days, you have the advantage. So I think there's 
I think there's some ground to be made up here with, with a nice little Cardinal stack. Tyler O'Neill is scorching hot. Uh, mm-hmm. our, our good friend Alec can tell us all about Tyler O'Neill and how he did not buy him when he had the opportunity. He went Cedric Mullins instead, which I did not agree with. That's almost uh, worse than my, well, probably not really worse, but that's almost worse than when I needed to fill out my brave st- stack. And I went for the discount option of Marcelo Zuna over slightly paying up for uh, Michael Harris. That was a big mistake by me. Yeah. yeah. That does not look good right now. <laughs> that was right before his DUI. It was yeah. unreal. And yeah. Harris has been going off. Yeah. Too. yeah. Harris yeah. had a walk off that game. Week, yeah, for yeah. sure. So yeah, I think, I think maybe a little, a little value on the reds there with Goldschmidt, Arenado and Tyler O'Neill all hitting generally all hitting three, four and five or three, four and six or somewhere in that in that vicinity. So the Cardinals put up 13 runs last night. Oh, they almost broke the game yeah. week. They're everyone with card stacks is sitting up at the top of the it's leaderboard. Tyler O'Neill. Except for Goldschmidt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Goldschmidt yeah. Went like over four yeah. or three strikeouts or something. Yeah. yeah. That was wild. That was like the most Salah from, from Liverpool and a nine, nothing win. he had mm. nothing, which was crazy. Yeah. Everybody's um, everybody's FPL captain that week too. So, so let's talk a little bit about this pennant race, right? So we've got, we're kind of coming down. Like we kind of know who's generally going to be in the playoffs. Now the NL East, you got the Mets and the Braves who are definitely going to be in the Phillies are still fighting for their spot. NL central, the Cardinals have caught fire. So they're going to be in the Brewers are still fighting for a spot. And then in the NL West, you've got the Dodgers, the Padres still fighting for a spot. Yep. I mean, I feel Philly, there's, Philly, there's Philly, Philly cards, Atlanta right? and so, San Diego are currently in the wild card position, but the, the, uh, the Brewers are right there. Yeah. So it's, it's going to come down to the Phillies, the Brewers and the Padres for two spots. Right. Um, that sounds right. Yes. And the, I don't think the Dodgers will be caught. I do think the Dodgers will not be caught now. Yeah. 19 I games mean, it, ahead. <laughs> it's possible. It gets, I mean, it's possible Milwaukee gets hot here and, and catches St. Louis for the division lead. And then it's yeah, comes six down to games. Yeah. It's not, not a horrible amount, but then you would figure that the Cardinals would still get in in a wild card. Spot. Right. I, I would say St. Louis, Philadelphia, San Diego, Milwaukee, between those four teams, you'll get two spots for sure. Between those four, you get three spots because one of them has got to win the Central. Three, three spots. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. So that's the NL. And the we rest of the NL West is, is also Rams at this point. The rest Miami, of everybody Cubs, is Arizona, dead. The San Marlins. Fran, they're all out of it, yeah. Yeah, Marlins and Nationals are dead. Cubs and, Pir- and Reds and Pirates are all dead. Everybody else in the NL West is dead. So we kind of know the National League. You can kind of start to build your, your playoff stack there. American League, the Yankees have all of a sudden forgotten how to play baseball. They were like <laughs> one of the best teams ever through baseball. 60 games or whatever. And they are below 500 in the last 60 games, which is wild. Um, the Rays have almost caught them. The Blue Jays have almost caught them. The Orioles are still sort of kind of in it. And the Red Sox are, I mean, they're they're kind of dead, but they're not like that. If far they behind. if they could prevent the the Red Sox have a minus fifty run differential is their biggest problem. If they could keep some runs off the board, they might actually get hot and go on a run. Yeah, but they they just can't. Got some good players still. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's the Red Sox. So then the NL Central or the AL Central, excuse me, is the Guardians who are in first. The Twins are a game and a half back, and the White Sox are five games back. And then in the AL West, the Astros are are pretty clear. The Mariners are pretty clear in an in a uh, wild card spot. And then uh, the Rangers, I'm sorry, are probably yeah, dead. Yeah, Texas is 11 games out of the wild card as of yeah. this recording, so not looking so, good. And so I, realistically, I, it's the AL East and, the, and maybe the White Sox that are kind of still hanging around. The Twins are kind of still hanging around. Um, yeah, the, twin, the Twins are, have a better record than the White Sox currently, but yeah, they, they, yeah. they're both there. But, uh, Toronto's got a two-game lead on Baltimore for the final wild card spot, but they're only one game out of the – 
the the top wild card spot. So yeah, between Rays, the Mariners, right there. Blue yeah. Jays, Orioles, and Twins, and then maybe White Sox at outside. I think those are the teams you're looking at. The White Sox would have to get hot. Yeah, the Mariners are definitely getting us. Well, maybe not. Maybe the Mariners and Rays have about the same record. So yeah, yeah we'll see. Um, so those are kind of the, the teams that you want to look at. So of those teams that I named, and I guess we'll start with you, blockchain. Of those teams that I named, obviously you have a Dodger stack. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? Who are you kind of going with here for the playoffs? Are you going to build like one or two teams? Are you going to go all in on one team? Like, what's what is, what's I, your thinking here? Yeah. So like the thing is, for me, I'm 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 definitely on a budget. So it's like I can't just like be like, oh, I'm going to buy this team and that team and this team. I already have a Dodger stack. I pretty much have a solid St. Louis. And so, you know, I have a few, I have a few Yankees, no, 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 no big hitters or anything, but you know, for a budget, you know, I might just get some relievers that are cheap and, and things like that, just in case the tail end. But, you know, for, for me, I'm on a budget, so I might just purchase some, some guys that are second on the roster or something like that. So that's kind of my plan, but I already pretty much have a a Dodgers and a, and a St. Louis stack. So that's, I'm going to go with that all the way through the whole thing. So if they play each other, are you going to be rooting for your cards? Or are you going to be rooting for your team? Oh, I mean, I, I like the Dodgers and I root for them, but it's like, it's, it's all business. You know what I mean? I'm not, it's not, I'm not going to be emotionally torn on making a decision of putting, you know, Goldschmidt for whoever, for, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm just, it's going to be all business. It's not going to be an emotional decision. So you're definitely celebrating the Goldschmidt three run bomb to send the Cardinals to the, to the NLCS, <laughs> right? Yeah, something like that. Because I've I've actually yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> That's my so plan. Tri- so tripping you. We've been talking a little bit about kind of construction of the roster and the, and the differences between mm-hmm. how you might set a regular season lineup versus you got a shout out. set yeah the playoff lineup. So so tell us what do you, what are you kind of thinking here? We we got a shout out from someone. I for, I've apologized for forgetting uh, which uh, listener we were was talking to us on Twitter, but they were like, yeah, I did such I I did my best ever results and. You know, thanks to so rare in the states pod for for uh, preaching the wisdom of putting a hitter in the flex because that I, I that I changed Always. my game after that and I, my <laughs> results have gone have gone way up. So that's cool. That's cool that, that like we can actually have an impact out there, a positive impact on some people's uh, gameplay, which was really cool to see. I wish I could remember the name. Unfortunately, I could go searching for it, but um, I, I'll be better prepared next time. Let's just put it that way. But things change and the playoff playoff baseball is different than regular season baseball, right? Anybody who's followed the game long enough knows that. So as, as adamant as I am, it's, it's an automatic for me. I don't even consider putting a starting pitcher in, in the flex on any roster lineup builds that I'm doing these days. I'm like, I'm just searching for my best hitter right away. But when the playoffs come around, we're a month out. I think that does start to open up some different type of plays like because of the way that seven uh you know best of seven series is work because of the way that the schedules work there's so many fewer teams actually playing that are in play Hitter, hitters get a little tighter the pitching gets a little more intense uh the managerial decisions get more nitpicky and things like that and you just know that playoff baseball is just a tighter t- uh version of the game compared to regular season i'm considering picking up a few extra starting pitchers from uh, would-be playoff teams because I think in a game week that has a few playoff games as opposed to regular season games, there's a case to be made for putting a starting pitcher in the flex in that spot. What do y'all think? So I think it's – I don't even think it's a case to be made. I think it's the right way to go. I'm fully on board with a starting pitcher, Um, or at least I was before maybe the announcement. I think it was today maybe that I saw. So it's going to be – instead of being three days at a time or four days at a time, it's going to be the entire division series. It's going to be the entire NLCS. And that is giving me a little bit of pause 
So I kind of just have to consider that. For the mm-hmm. NLDS, I think I still go with a starting pitcher for sure, especially if you've got the ace, because the ace is likely to pitch twice, whereas the hitters at most are going to get five games in, and they're going to be against like quality pitchers. Right. So the you're f- not really going to rack up. Yeah, pitcher. you're not really going to rack up massive points with the hitters. So be less you runs, might get, exactly. Exactly. You might get two starts out of your starting pitcher too. So you might end up getting like 60, 70 points out of your starting pitcher. There's no way. Well, I shouldn't say no way because judge can do judge things, but um, hitters to get 60 or 70 points in a division series is going to be tough. And in an LCS or an ALCS, that's where it gets really interesting because you're probably getting two starts out of your pitcher, but your hitter might get seven games, which I don't know how the, how the kind of math works out on that. I still think I'm leaning starting pitcher just purely because of what you said of how um, in the playoffs, pitchers are are a lot better. And so you yeah, don't really I just, get those bad, you know, you the reason that we're putting the reason we're putting hitters in the flex right now is because we feel like their ceiling is so much higher. Right. But I feel like in the playoffs, that ceiling comes way down basically because I'm not the, putting the in my flex. I'm not putting in a guy that's going to face, face Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer right. in a three game week. Right. I'm just right. not doing it. Exactly. Like, I don't care if it's Aaron judge, I'm not doing it. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, and that's what the playoffs is. Everybody's Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. No, not quite everybody because those two are ridiculous. But I'm I'm targeting as a hitters in my flex right now. I'm targeting when they play the, the Marlins are a bad example because they have a good pitching staff. I'm targeting the Pirates. You know, I'm targeting the Reds. I'm targeting, mm-hmm. you know, bad teams, the Nationals, because I know that those pitchers are just going to give up hits and runs and walks and all that. But that's not a thing in the playoffs. Those teams aren't in the playoffs. So exactly. Yeah, I think I think 100 percent you're looking for a deep starting pitching staff. I think you want two or three, maybe. Well, I guess two guys from each team that you want to have a stack of. And I think you can go full stack in the in the uh, in, in the rounds, because if you get to the next round, like if it, let's say you let's say you split it into two teams. Right. Let's say you have a three man stack and a two man stack. One of those teams gets the next round. The other doesn't. Now you're now you're in trouble. Yeah, right? that's so the whole think, thing about the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think you just throw all your eggs in one basket. Say I'm taking this team as far as they are going to go. And probably you want to make that the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Braves or I don't know, the Astros, maybe in the AL. A team is going to get to the ALCS at least. Um, don't sleep, I guess don't that, sleep on that, the Yankees to get it back together again. I guess know, that's they, debatable. They score I did say runs. the Yankees. <laughs> I said the Yankees. Um, and, and, and also the Dodgers are known to choke in the playoffs too. So it's like, as a Dodger fan, we're kind of always like, uh. but lately it's been, <laughs> lately it's been the NLCS of the World series that you've yeah. been choking in. So yeah, you're at least exactly. getting a it long way through Get to the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also with the, so the, the uh, wild cards are three games now. So that would be interesting as well. I don't know mm-hmm. what you're going to do hitter wise with that one, because you're only going to get one starting pitcher um, start. Um, that's an interesting one to kind of think about, but yeah. Yeah. Wild card, but the wild card, do you, you want might, your team in the wild card. I mean, it's better to be in the game than not in the game. I think you do want your, your team, but there's always uh, because the chance be, they lose because yeah, but it said, didn't that, didn't the so rare MLB, didn't the announcement say that wild card would be around, would be a game week and then yeah. DS would be a game week and then yeah. CS would be a game week. Yeah. So I don't but know. The, uh, I, I think you, you want to, I mean, I, you, you want to have more than one team, basically. I know, I know there's people out there on a budget. There's people out there that don't want to buy a bunch of extra cards, especially just for like one or two game weeks. But if you really want to be competing, then yeah, you want, you want your team in the wild so, card. And then when they, if they lose, then you just buy, buy the other team uh, for the next round. I don't know. Just buy everybody. So does, does that, that make cards you... is always the solution. Come on, Chris. Everybody <laughs> <knows that. laughs> 
So does that make you shy away from the Dodgers and the Astros who are currently leading both leagues because they won't play in the wild card round? Does that make you shy away from them at all as opposed to the Mets or the Braves or the Yankees or anybody else? No, I, I, I think you want to focus on those teams, but then just like sit them out during the wild card and just pick up a few cheap guys for the wild card round personally. Yeah. If you're lucky, you know, like it comes back to like, what kind of cards do you have? Like, you know, do you want to be competitive during the playoffs or do you want to just kind of roll the dice, you know, every time? Okay. So I'm, I'm writing down my notes. I got to buy all the uniques of the Braves. That's how this is. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm I'll learning. Sell from your this episode. kidneys. <laughs> yeah, really. I could sell my kidneys and I probably buy like half a unique, uh, especially for the Braves. Cause they're way too expensive now. Um, speaking of way too expensive, the market is kind of ticking up a little bit in in value, and that's we, we've kind of attributed that to the slowdown in in the market in the um, auctions. They're not quite coming out as fast with the at, at limited and rare level. Super is actually coming out faster, which I think is interesting. Um, yeah, is they're it, trying to see uh, that unique division for sure. Yeah, exactly. And and do you think this is sustainable at the super rare? Or are they going to slow that down at some point as well? What do you think, blockchain? Uh, I'm more of a limited and a rare guy. So it's like dealing with super rares. Like that's not definitely my expertise at all. Cool. Well then I'll take the question. I'll just say that I believe they will slow. I think they're pumping out extra super rares and more uniques than they had been doing just to try to see that unique and super rare division. If you look right as of the time we were recording this, it's still two days to go until game week starts. But for the initial unique competition, I only see 10 people, 10, 10 owners registered in that right now for four prizes. So I, I would, ex- I don't expect that to grow too much. It might get up to, it might double in the next two days to 20 as they keep pumping these cards out on the super rare and unique division. But I do think that there's been, it's just been obvious. So has not announced anything, but you can just tell if you pay attention, there's been a concerted effort to slow down the rate of auctions. It used to be for the first three or four weeks of the game. When it first launched in July, you could, if there was a auction that you was coming up and the the bidding got a little bit higher than you wanted, you'd be like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'll just wait, just wait three hours. I'll wait three hours for the next one. Exactly. And so <laughs> yeah. that was kind of cool and it was nice. And I probably did not take as much advantage of that as I could have at the time because I was saving my ETH for something else. But the, the, that is not no longer the case. That's definitely no longer the case. If you, if you miss a rare auction on a guy you want, it may take a couple of days for it to come back up again now. And you might actually go look at the secondary and like, Hey, Oh, how much does this guy cost on the yeah. secondary now? Because I don't see any auctions coming up. So all of that is contributing to kind of a, a tick up in the prices, especially of good cards. I wouldn't say that the, I don't think the floor is coming up necessarily on, on mediocre cards or on guys that don't play. We still, we're still a long way away from that. And so we're just going to have to do a million other things, including some on board a million people. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Which I have a question for, I have a question for you later uh, on that blockchain as as we, after we get into some more general stuff, but just, To finish this point, I just want to say like the the prices are going up for good cards. My I, I bought a Willie Adams the other day and I got I was like I had to pay. I did I don't like paying more than I I sort of when I when I target a card, right? When I see go to the auction market, I'm like, okay, this auction's like eight hours away or like 30 hours away. I want that auction. I at that moment I kind of set in my head like a price that I would expect to pay. Like, and I'm like, how high would I go on that? You know, when it finally comes up, you know, 30 hours from now. And so there's been times at first it was pretty easy to to go under those numbers. And now I'm starting to have to like bite the bullet and go over the, that number that I put in my head right, right away off the first. And I think like, I, like we talked about, they've uh, 
they've they've accelerated the super rares and uniques to try to get that division going but i would imagine that once it's up and running after a couple of weeks they'll probably slow down those auctions as well too as we get more towards postseason and off season well they're trying to pump out more uniques but our good friend ynwa is just buying them all up so that no <laughs> right. one can compete against that them. guy's crazy he's a smart man <laughs> he knows what he's doing like i don't know if we're gonna see more than 10 people because i don't know if more than 10 people have a unique oh, he's got man. them all like yeah. there just haven't been very many uniques at all. So friend of the show, uh, YNWA for sure. He is he's a legend, man. He's awesome. So yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of works. And then as we kind of hit the off season, how do we expect the market to react? So obviously, you won't have immediate utility, but people will probably be buying, you know, younger players, rookies, that kind of thing, um, in preparation for next year. And They'll be buying still year one cards, which I think is still getting underhyped a little bit. I don't think we're going to get very many year one cards. They said half of the scarcities. We're nowhere near that. Yeah, base. they're not even close. So we're not going to get very many year ones at all. So it, I don't think they've even put be, out 20% of the limiteds, right. you know, and, so. Yeah, we're, we're nowhere close to to the pace that we need to hit to hit, you know, half of these unless they just dump them all in the market, which I don't think would be smart. So being that we may not see a ton of year one cards, obviously you're the you're the expert in the in the collectible world here, blockchain. How does that obviously it's gonna help the price, but how does that kind of change your thinking? Do you do you actually go in and buy more now that you know there's gonna be fewer of them? I don't know. Cause like now that you're mentioning it, if if they can mess with the faucet, who's to say they don't slow it completely down during the off season or do some or speed it up or do something weird, like you said. Uh it seems like they have a lot of smart people, you know, looking at the economy part of this whole thing, Yeah. you know, in the back of my mind, it's like, it's quite obvious to everyone that prices are going to go down unless they have some sort of utility. Cause that's just common sense economics. So they'll have to pull a, a little rabbit out of their hat to figure out how to sustain the market, what they're going to do or how they're going to do it or what the game plan is. I have no idea. I mean, if I sat down in a room, I could figure it out, but. Are you familiar blockchain with the uh, what they did during COVID pandemic with soccer? No. So what they did then was they uh, they instituted what they would call replay game weeks. So replay game weeks oh, were yeah. they would put out like a list. And I wasn't doing this, so I, this I'm trying to. If I get some of these details wrong, forgive me. But I've uh, I've just been like uh, heard these legends of yore from from the people that are more OG on so rare soccer than I am. But they said like so. They would give a, a pool of like, hey, there's here's 40 games that we might choose from for this game week. And, you know, this game could be in this could, could, game could be in. You don't know for sure, but you build your lineups based on the potential of their these guys to be playing. And then they did sort of like a random number generator so that like 10 of the 40 games for the from the list, for example, would count as official games. And they would like sort of simulate simulate those games based on what had happened historically and you'd get the historical stats so you kind of knew who might be in play but you didn't know for sure because it was random and it all sounded like whenever people talk about it they kind of wax poetic and get romantic about the old days of you know 2020 so rare when there was only like 50 uh, dudes in the discord hanging out and uh, talking with you know the ceo of the company on the reg but they all say, yeah, it was great. It was a, it saved the company. It was a good solution at the time, but nobody really wants to go back to that. Basically, uh, they, they much prefer real life when it comes to fantasy gaming. So I, I don't know if there's any will or appetite to do anything like that with baseball, but it is some they do have somewhat of a model to sort of keep up utility when games are not being played. So we'll see. 
I'm smiling over here because I'm thinking that's what they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's literally what they're going to do. Like, so I, I I'm going to be the counterpoint here. I'm going to play devil's advocate because COVID was unexpected, right? That's the difference here. This is just mm. an off season. Yeah. Soccer has an off season. They don't do, you know, card replays over the European off season. They just, you just play MLS, you know, now there's a little bit of a difference here because there is nothing else to play in baseball while this is off season. Exactly. But when you own Jude Bellingham, you're not playing him over May to August. You just hold him. And the reason that it holds value is because of people like me, because I'll go in and buy the card in September when no one else wants it. And I know by the time March comes around, everybody's going to want this card and it's going to rise in value, right? It's going to be very low value at some point. I know it, at some point in March, it's going to be back up to the normal value. So I'm just going to go buy the card in, in September and wait and hold it and, you know, take whatever profit I can get. I don't need to be playing the card to make a profit off of trading. I've, I've done this two or three off seasons in MLS. Now I'm gearing up big time in MLS. I've got a lot of young guys. I've got a lot of, you know, guys that I think will be better next year, guys that had down years, that kind of thing. Um, but you could do it with really any player that you want because you know, next preseason, there's going to be a ton of hype. Everybody's going to want to buy their teams. So you, if you're the one selling them their player, then you get to set the asking price. So I, I think that's more going to be the model as opposed to the COVID model of, because like I said, COVID was completely unexpected. They couldn't just say, well, because at the time, remember world football had no idea when it was coming back, right? We had no mm -hmm. timetable for return. It was just, we're shutting down until further notice. It could have been two years. It could have been three years. It could have been four years. Sower would not have survived had it they been had to four years. Yeah, for sure. They had to do something that was like you said, kind of just, the best solution they could come up with at the time. I think you're, you're just going to see nothing. Maybe the world baseball classic will be covered. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe the Caribbean which I think would series, be fun. you know, they, they could get the, the Caribbean series is in February yeah. also that that's yeah. a, like, I think a those lot kinds of, of like things would future be MLB talent in it for yeah. sure. The problem with that though, is you'd have to mint those players. Yeah. They like would, like yeah. the world baseball classic. You, you already have all the players minted. You just got to cover. Fair. So probably most of them. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think you'll see something like that. That is only every um, three years, though, right? Still, if I'm not mistaken, the, the WBC Classic. Yeah, uh, that I don't know. I don't. Know. I, I think it is. Yeah, last I checked, it but, was. But I mean, even so, you have you have things like the World Cup in soccer, the Euros. Mm -hmm. They did this with as well, where you got that extra utility over the summer with your with your uh, with your champ Euro players. So I think that's just kind of the model. If you want to sell off your team at the end of the year because you're not going to be able to use it for six months, you can do that. You'll just take a loss to people like me who are going to buy it low and and sell it on when it gets to uh, when it gets to preseason hype. So I, I think there'll be that there's there's always that balance, right? There's always that balance of traders versus guys wanting to play with their NFTs and, and you know, win rewards and that kind of thing. So, yeah, but like how much trading the, all your trading that you're doing is based on this like future, you know, if this future utility that I don't know if people will want to, will want to wait as long because I feel like the MLB offseason is is longer than a soccer offseason. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not confident. Just means more profit. A, I mean, I'm not confident <laughs> there's going to be an active trading market in the offseason, but we'll see. As of now, you can't even offer a trade. Still, you know what? Six weeks into uh, so rare MLB, you can't even make well a trade trading off on the secondary. Tra market, by so. trading, I mean buying low, selling right, high, yeah, yeah, not yeah, yeah. actual trading. Well, um, yeah, but you're gonna like. But, Part being a, being able to make offers lower than the list prices is, is part of that as well, which we still don't have to a certain degree. Yeah, to a certain but, degree. But but, but so guys are get desperate but, and they'll list their cards for nothing. So rares on TikTok, 
You know, we don't oh. we don't have a full oh, functioning no. we don't have a fully functioning MLB website, but so rare is on TikTok. So thank God. Yeah. Thank you, God. You All actually the 16 year old up, girls can come over. You actually bring up a good point too, because um you know, soccer has thousands and thousands of users. Baseball, I wouldn't even be surprised if they have a thousand users. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like yeah. there's gonna it's gonna be supply and demand. So uh you're the thing about you know, it's like, there's not going to be a ton of people buying in, in, in the off season. So, you know, you probably could get some really good deals and everything. You so definitely will. And I'm yeah. banking on getting some really yeah. good deals for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean the lower, so like, it, like you said, it's all supply and demand. The more people want to sell their teams, the lower the price comes down and the bigger incentive it is for me to buy and hold. Right. So there's, yeah. there's a point where that's going to equal out and yes, the price will probably drop. Um, but the closer that you get to opening day, it'll kind of it'll kind of rise, right? Because I may not like, for example, Trip and B may not want to hold a card for six months, but he may be okay with like two months. You know, he may mm-hmm. want to set his team earlier than everybody else so that he gets a good deal. Um, he doesn't want to hold it for six months, but he'll hold it for two months. Whereas you may want to hold it for only one month. I may want to hold it for three months. So I'm going to get the best deal. Trippin's going to get the second best deal. You're going to get the 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 last best deal. So you'll start to see slowly more and more people buying their teams, buying in, buying in. It'll look like a little bit of a price raise, actually. Um, it'll at some point hit that equilibrium point at the bottom. And that's where you that's where you buy in with soccer. It's happened enough times so that people know that equilibrium point is here. So I'm going to buy like two weeks ahead of time. So it like gets two weeks earlier every single year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but yeah, you, you always know there is an equilibrium point where it's going to hit the bottom and then it's just going to start slowly rising up as, as you get closer and closer to the season. So that, that um, brings me back to something you said earlier, Chris, and I'd love to get blockchain's take on this, which is the, this off season, you imagine until next full actual MLB season starts, they're going to be selling off these year one cards on the market. I was just so going to bring this up. How much, how much as someone who's had much more experience than either of us in terms of blockchain collectibles, like how, how much do you think those year one cards are going to carry a premium two and three years down the line? See, here's the thing. And I got a real quick, I had a real quick question. So in 2000, so the next season, are they going to print another 5,000 limiteds of the same players? Yeah. Yeah. And you would assume that would start like at the end of March. Oh my God. That's horrible. That's like, actually I'm thinking about that right now. That's like really, really not good in terms of uh price value for your players that you have now. Like that, that's really bad because you're basically doubling the supply when the, when the, when there's like no demand. Yeah. So that's, that's really, really, that's really bad. It's like, like if I was them, I would even think about just releasing the cards they have now next year, because that would make more sense instead of just like, Oh, now we're going to have 10,000 limiteds. Like that's insane. Mm -hmm. You don't even have a thousand users. Like the the idea is to grow. As we said, they'll never get to 5,000 this year. They'll yeah. be lucky to get to like 2000 limited. I think at this rate, they're only in like the hundreds and two hundreds. So what do they do? What do they do with them? Just they just the cut it off in, in soccer. Yeah, just, they just cut just it off. Aren't, yeah. Yeah, oh, I thought hundred out of a thousand. Oh, I thought they were like, they had to make five. No, that's like a max. Yeah. Oh, that's like okay. A max, yeah. Gotcha. So that, I didn't. It won't that. be doubling, but it will be a big supply dump. Like you said, I, the thing, the idea that you just brought up, I wouldn't be shocked if that's come up in some internal meetings and so mm. we're like, Hey, why don't, why don't we just spend next 2023 rolling out this, this year one supply? I'm not sure. Right. But if they don't, if they change the design, if they tweak the design, you know, stack, Which they will. stack 2023 on everything and whatnot, as they've done in soccer, 
do you think like having these year one and the cards say year one across the bottom, does that carry any kind of premium as the iterations get going? See, here's the thing. And I actually thought about this this morning. So this is kind of ironic that we're having this question because I literally thought about this this morning was that for the most part, these, 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 are basically just utility vehicles. They're not even collectibles. They become collectibles when you actually have the demand and we don't have the demand. Um, I'm, I'm literally like, I love, I love NFTs. I love baseball. Am I going to spend $500 on an Albert Pujols uh, rare right now? Probably not, not just for collectibles. So I think we're not even, we're like, we shouldn't even be having the collectible talk right now because they're not even close to having the user base to just, Oh, we just collect these because we like baseball cards. You know what I mean? Like we're not even close to that because everyone's just using these to try to earn more cards, you know, or try to get to the podium. And so, so rare needs to, if they, here's the thing, I'm going to, I'm going to give so rare a million dollar idea right now. Oh, wow. Make packs. Screw this like podium crap. I mean, you can have that, but why don't you offer a $25 pack that has a common in it or possibly a unique, and then you can roll stuff out that way too. Um, I think that would be a great way to kind of stimulate the economy. But in terms of like, there's, I wouldn't even be surprised if there's less than 1% of people using so rare MLB that are collectors that aren't playing that just are in this just for collecting and and i'm a collector and i'm telling you that right now right. like i would i'm not i've bought like a, a, a miguel cabrera and, and some pujos when they were cheaper because i like them that was the extent of my collecting in mm-hmm. this in this hobby in this particular project yeah I, I i can't deny what you're saying is true like we, we that's been an early theme of a lot when we first started doing the show a couple uh weeks uh, you know a month and a half ago at this point like we we had those conversations like for so rare baseball to really take off, you're going to have to, 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 it's going to have to become a collectible beyond utility. There's going to have to be a reason for people to want to buy cards to make a complete set or to get everyone from their team or to get all the rookie cards and things like that. Yeah. There's going to, it's going to have to, for, for these cards to have a a stable price, you know, and like for, for card values to really hold when it gets down to it, because we're seeing this happening in soccer where, uh, the more people that join, the harder it is to win. You need higher scores to win. And it devalues the utility of tier three and below card, and even t- some low tier two cards. Those cards just really become almost worthless utility wise if they can't win you anything. So baseball has a much more established tradition, you know, Panini cards, notwithstanding for the world cup, uh, we've been collecting baseball cards in the United States for, you know, over 130, 140 years yep. at this point. So it, I do think that that, potential is there to be tapped into but it's not going to happen just naturally on its own it and we've talked about you know the marketing that so is doing to get their logo on all types of mlb network shows and things like that it's all been great but it hasn't you know it's only been six weeks let's say but it hasn't like necessarily taken the world by storm and like shot to the moon in those six (laughs) weeks by any stretch it's all it's all how you market it too because if someone just is like you're you're a regular baseball player or regular baseball fan that just watches baseball you like your team you know you have the pennant hanging up in your room how do you transition the that particular uh, collector to purchase a digital item and then play a digital game that might not even know that this game even exists you know what i'm saying so it's like Mm -hmm. it's 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 a lot harder than saying here go buy some baseball cards at a physical store you Mm -hmm. actually got to someone actually has to learn technology who might not 
be te- technological technologically savvy. So like they, I don't envy so rare for their marketing, like their marketing people, uh, you know, they're going to have an uphill battle to, to get new users. So um, yeah, as, as soon as you get like a casual baseball fan, it's like, Oh, so rare digital cards. That sounds interesting. What is that? And then you say MetaMask wallet and they're like, what? <laughs> blockchain, <laughs> like, Ethereum, yeah, yeah, like, transactions. You're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Man. So I get it. <laughs> I don't think, I know so rare has stated that they do not want to do packs but they might get desperate enough. One thing Chris has said, and I'll turn it over to you, Chris. You've said one of the smartest things you've said on the show, I think, is that this can't fail for so rare. If MLB fails for so rare, there will never be so rare NBA. There will never be so rare NFL if they if the use case doesn't pan out for MLB. So do you think they would, if, if desperate times called for desperate measures, you think they would ever go to PAX, Chris? I mean, I think they, I, I don't, I don't think they would like be morally against it or anything. I just don't think that's the way that so rare operates. I think they've always done like, even with soccer, they've, they've done the auctions, which are more, I guess, straightforward than packs. Cause I, I think when I think packs, I think like FIFA, I think, you know, the show, you know, what's that road, mm-hmm. road to glory, not road to glory. Um, Diamond dynasty. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, like, I think I'm putting in a certain amount of money and I'm getting out, something that's probably going to be less value than that, but I have a chance of hitting something big. It's almost like a lottery ticket, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think they like that kind of concept and idea. They like the more build your team, own your game type of a thing, as opposed to, you know, try to play the lottery and see if you hit an Aaron judge. I, I don't think they would really go down that route. That That is just not really their brand or their style. But I mean, if that's what the market wants, then they're going to do what the market wants. So I, I think we'll... You know, if if we tell them as a community, hey, we want packs and we want to be able to play lottery tickets, then that's what they'll do for us. But um, yeah, if they if they I want to be a global wouldn't, entertainment wouldn't like sports brand, as they've stated yeah. many many times, like you said, they can't fail with MLB. There there right. won't be another chance in another major mainstream sport if MLB doesn't take take off. Or and take and and this is another thing. Like with soccer, they have a ton of people, like you said, blockchain earlier. They have a ton of smart people looking at this economy and going okay, what's the equilibrium price to where we can throw out more cards and actually get a fair value? Because Sower has every incentive to make the price of cards as high as humanly possible because then they auction a card and they get more money for it. So as long they're as, going long as to that do, doesn't slow down growth, yes. They are going to do everything in their power to keep the price as high as humanly possible, yep. um, which in the end is good for us already having our cards because then our, val- our collectible values go up and up and up. Um, but whether that's through utility, whether that's through collectability, whether it's through, you know, whatever, their I, their whole goal in, in life is to make these cards worth a lot. Their whole goal is to get a million people on the platform and have, you know, 5,000 Aaron judges that a million people want. It doesn't matter if there's 5,000 or 10,000 or 100,000. If there's enough people and enough people want them, their price will be very high. That's that's what they are, are kind of shooting for and, and looking let, for. Let me so. ask you a question, be, blockchain, that has come up on the show before, which is: d- is the scarcity too high? Is, should they have should they have matched the soccer scarcities and had done limited with of one of a thousand rares, one of a hundred super rares, one of ten, or do you do you think that it was it was wise because there's so many few, there's such there's such a smaller population of major league baseball players compared to global soccer players? I think that's why they did that so that they could have supply, but just because it's been slow to take off and we're feeling, you know, the growing pains of, of slowness, was it a mistake or do you think it'll ultimately pr- prove to be the right move? So I, I think, 
I think they they made the right move, and I think it's more, you know, they did it because of less players, mm-hmm. but also I think they also did the numbers because of a business decision where they didn't want to have too little. You know what I mean? No. Like they 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 had no. You had an idea of like what was coming in to the sport MLB, but they had no idea. You know what I mean? It's like when you have a party and you, you just invite everyone, you don't know who, who all is going to come, especially, you know, if you, if it's an open-ended bar party or whatever. Hey, so if it's, I think, if it's an open bar I'm in, and I'm invited, they, I'll be there. There you go. And you're going to bring all 20 of your friends. Yeah. So it's like, I think ML, I think so rare did that decision mostly because of the players, but also because maybe they thought a bunch of people were going to come in and that was going to handle everything. And and we've seen that's kind of been a little bit of the opposite and, and speaking on the packs thing, you know, that's probably a business decision too, because it's in their best interest to have an auction where they're going to make the most money possible. I, I worked with, I've worked with Splinterlands. I still work with Splinterlands and their whole kind of thing is they want to, they want the player to prosper. And I understand so rare is a business and they want to make money for, I don't know if they have private stock or whatever. They want to keep this going. Everyone get paid. So I, I believe it's mostly a business decision why they don't have packs because it gives the user more power and more profit than the actual business that's producing because they can make so much more money running up an auction. So I agree with that. I don't know. It depends on how you price the packs. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You could. It, it depends on of, what you put in the pack and what you price the pack at. So like here, that, that's the whole point is I don't know what's in the pack, so that gives the company all the power because they could put absolute shit in the pack, and I have well, to just buy it. You well, know? no, because that's the thing. It's like they would have to disclose what's in there. You know what I mean? And there's has to be a random number generator. They can make a ton more money doing packs than they would with auctions, but they have to do it. They have to do it right. Like the thing is when I say packs, there's an idea in everyone's head, but that's where the creative nature and like doing the economy and everything correctly so that it both benefits business and it benefits the collector. And that equilibrium could totally happen if they do it correctly. And what's nice about NFTs is, you know, it gives, you know, so rare anytime there's a, a transaction, they're getting money, you know what I mean? Off of those transactions. So if they really think about it, you know, they could be making secondary third, like every time these things are are moved around, they could be making extra money doing that. So um, I think they're just used to the model they had with soccer and they're carrying it over the baseball because it's the most easiest thing to do because they don't have to think about it. They've it's proven, you know what I'm saying? So who knows what they're going to do, but anyways, I think, yeah. So I think, I think it was smart the way they did it in terms of how many cards they produced. I think it was fair and it was right. But right now we're seeing that that we're playing uh what is it uh Monday morning quarterback now going, oh, they produce too much, but at the time you would never know. Well yeah, that seems and like- that and at the time you would never know, which is completely a hundred percent true. And also they're not building this for a thousand people, they're building this for a million people, they're building this for you know, they're building it to be successful, right? They're not planning on you know, not being successful and not having anybody on the platform. They're saying, okay, if this works, what does it look like? And that's what they planned out and that's what they built. And we'll have to see if it works now. It's just up to, you know, it's up to the general public to to, to kind of figure out how it works. Um, do we have any other uh, any other questions here before we wrap things up for, uh, for blockchain? Yeah, I, I want to just ask at, sort of related to this discussion, is there any way, do you have any ideas just from other blockchain games that you might've played, what 
are there any suggestions? So like stuff that we've thought of and brought up before uh, when it comes to adding reasons to buy the cards that aren't utility based is what I'm looking for here. So if uh, we've talked about or, or, or different kind of utility that aren't necessarily winning more cards. So like we've talked about adding utility by giving experiences, you know, let's say you collect a complete set of, of your favorite team and you get a 10 punch pass that you can go to batting practice 10 times, you know, whenever you, whenever it's convenient for you in the season before a game, or you get gear, you get merch and things like that. The, that's another suggestion we talked at at length. Do, do you have any ideas or, or things that you've experienced that were kind of cool from other blockchain uh, games and whatnot that, that can add utility. That's not just winning more cards and, and give a reason to spur on that collection that we're going to, we feel like we're going to need for the ultimate long-term. See, that's like the million dollar question. And that's like, you know, you're a millionaire if you come up with the right answer mm -hmm. to that, you know what I mean? So it's like, I couldn't really just give you, you know, batting practice, batting practice passes, man, give me my million. So, Let's go. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing, like there's, so there's two things you can eat, you know, there's either you can get more cards or you can have a, something that's physical in the real mm -hmm. world, you know? So adding other utilities would be something that would need to be branched. I couldn't even tell you like what they could do. I mean, they could make it where you can earn like a mining token, like where basically them, the amount of cards that you hold somehow they earn a dividend, like a stock. Mm -hmm. So like you're incentivized to hold your cards for a long period of time because you know, they're going to earn a so rare token. And with those mm -hmm. so rare tokens, I can, you can only buy something by holding so rare tokens. Or you can only right. buy a unique card with so rare tokens. Like I think that could be just that. That's just off the top of my head. Right. But yeah. That, that that is an idea that I hadn't thought of before. I know so rare says they don't want to do a token, right? But who knows? So that's the thing too, because and I'll tell you why. Because you have to deal with the SEC. There's a lot of legal stuff when dealing with uh, what is it called um, a security. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of red tape. So a lot of companies decide like we're just going to do it this way because there's less red tape, but um, your question's pretty valid. And I think like they'll have to really sit down and think about it because there's, there's a lot of different things that you can do. It just takes brainstorming and figuring it out. But that one of the things I can think of right off the top of my head is just being able to, to like hold your cards and be able to earn something additionally e to it. Even if it's just not a, a token that trades out on any uh, exchange, even if it's just yeah. in-game currency, in-game currency that, that they use, for like um, they invent, you know, a year and a half ago, they did the club shop in soccer and they just like launched it. And then just, <laughs> and then it became like the redheaded stepchild of the family. They pretended right. it didn't exist anymore, but like people are dumb and people will, will try to chase skins and, you know, badges yeah. and things like that. You know, people spend, <laughs> spend real money on that. I, so uh, what, no, what, about some, what about something where you like every day that you hold a Braves card, you get, you know, one, you know, it's not like a token, but basically, you know how they do like the club shop where like if you collect so many of, of the Braves, um, every day that you hold a Braves card, you get one credit towards, you know, and then if you get 10,000 credits, then you go and, you know, walk through the clubhouse or something like that. But like, you also don't want to overcomplicate everything, too. That's what I'm saying. There's such a fine balance between what to do as a business because you don't want to spread your resources too thin. You know, I, I was laughing right yeah. now because I was thinking about Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, tickets <laughs> when right. you were talking about like uh, you Chuck know, E. Earning. Cheese was the best <laughs> yeah. in the 80s it was the best yeah. 
Yeah, you, you 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 play you play skee ball for three hours and you go get a st- stuffed animal and a stick of gum. You know, it's great. Right. You know, I can only ever afford the pencil sharpener. I was never good at any of those <laughs> the pencil games. pouch. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. But the, the uh, yeah, that's cool. I don't, I wasn't expecting you to solve it because if you if you solved it in, in that I, one quick question, then I could. would be need to hire you. Yeah, trust yeah, exactly. me, I, I could. Like, I but it's like it's like everyone. A lot of people have good ideas, but this is a business. They have mm-hmm. to they have to allocate resources to achieving you have to have the right people that know how to code specific things into the website and on the blockchain so it's like it's not anyone could have a great idea implementing it's a whole other thing like yeah for sure well we appreciate the uh the time from you blockchain obviously you have the youtube channel uh blockchain gaming if people want to if people want to uh, hear more you're on twitter as well we'll link everything in the show notes but thanks for taking the time to uh, to come on and chat yeah, it was fun. Good luck, everyone, with your future game weeks. And I hope that, you know, SoRare, you know, listens to some of these ideas and possibly implement some of them in the future, because I, I really believe in this project because I wouldn't be here if I didn't. 